Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and I am joined by our group of panelists, TJ Van Toll. Hey, everybody. And Jack Harrington. Hello. And our special guest today is Ian Lavery. Welcome, Ian. Hello. Thanks for having me, Paige. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you on the show this week. So it would be great if you could introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you're famous. Sure. So I, I don't know if I'm famous yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm i just a big geek and also a musician. I went to school here at University of British Columbia in Vancouver for uh, music and computer science. Did a double major. So I'm just kind of like couldn't really choose. And yeah, I'm in a couple bands here in town and also just write a whack load of code for a new startup called uh, Pika Voice in town. Cool. This episode is sponsored by Sentry. Sentry is the thing that I put into all of my apps. First, I figure out how to deploy them. I get them up on the web. Then I run Sentry on them. And the reason why is because I need to know what's going on in my app all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of a control freak. What can I say? The other reason is, is that sometimes I miss stuff or I run things in development. You know, it works on my machine. We've all been there, right? And then it gets up in the cloud or up on a server and stuff happens and stuff breaks, right? I didn't configure it right. I'm an idiot and I didn't put the AWS credential in. I didn't do that last week, right? That wasn't me. Anyway, I need that error reported back. Hey, Chuck, I can't connect to AWS. The other thing is, is that this is something that my users often won't give me information on. And that's, hey, it's too slow. It's not performing right. And I need to know it's slowing down because I don't want them going off to Twitter when they're supposed to be using my app. And so they need to tell me it's not fast enough. And Sentry does that, right? I put Sentry in. It gives me all the performance data and I can go, hey, that takes three seconds to load. That's way too long. And I can go in and I can fix those issues and then I'm not losing users to Twitter. So if you have an app that's running slow, if you have an app that's having errors, or if you just have an app that you're getting started with and you want to make sure that it's running properly all the time, then go check it out. They support all major languages and frameworks. They recently added support for Next.js, which is cool. Visit sentry.io slash signup and use promo code React Roundup. That's all one word, React Roundup, for three free months of their base team plan. So could you tell us a little bit about what Pico Voice does? Yeah. So Pico Voice is kind of a kind of an interesting startup because they decided to really take on like what people expect from voice recognition. Because right now we're pretty much uh, set on cloud. Everything is sent over the internet, everything is sent to our big tech overlords to divine what their uh, what the meaning of this speech is. And that's really cool. And it's gotten us pretty far. But the uh, CEO of the company and the, the main lead chief engineer, uh, Ali Reza Kanesri Anhari, he said, you know what, I think I can do this super small. I think I can do it on device. I don't think the, the speech ever needs to leave the device. And that was basically a very punk move to just say, no, <laughs> you guys are doing it wrong. And yeah, so he came up with in 2018, one of the first offline natural language programs. And we've been working on, we've been working really hard to expand support on as many platforms, as many SDKs as possible so that people can have access to this speech recognition on device. So this blows my mind a little bit because my like my naive knowing nothing about voice recognition 
other than like I've used Alexa and Siri a few times, but my developer brain thinks speech recognition and natural language processing, that stuff is hard. Um, I don't think that's like, (laughs) there's a reason that's not in like developer 101 material. So in my head, it's like, oh, I'm imagining some fancy, like some super complex algorithm and super heavy, intense processing. And like Apple's got like PhDs working on this on some super complex algorithm. So doing this locally kind of blows my mind a little bit. Is it like a lot of code, a lot of processing that happens locally? Like how intensive is this? Do you have to be concerned about like the device's processing power at all? Does does that come Mm. come into consideration? Yeah, I mean, uh, great question and great concern. It's so here's the thing. We basically... We basically decided instead of teaching it the entirety of a language and getting it to understand all that is known about a language, we just teach it a few words or a few phrases. So it's kind of a bottom-up approach rather than a top-down. And that allows it to be super small and super power efficient. You know, it uses modern machine learning techniques and lots of optimization. I mean, this these things fit on uh, SDM32 boards, like they it can uh the wake word engine can run under oof, 200 kilobytes of ram it's very small very power efficient yeah and so, so it's more like command speech i'm sorry let me try that again. so is this more like command speech or is this free form speech then yeah so we we offer like a bunch of different products so there's a wake word engine which is obviously like keyword detection like you say react roundup and your device responds, hey, I heard it. Or we have our natural language unit, which basically, uh, we call it our speech to intent uh, unit. And it will basically understand something like, I want a large coffee. And it will just, what what the algorithm will return is large coffee. I get it. You want a large coffee. <laughs> right. With an intention to want that. Yes. Right. Now, if you okay. try and if you try and ask your coffee maker to tell you a joke, it'll probably be like, I, like, what, what do you what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm here to make coffee. <laughs> so I don't do jokes. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's part of the bottom up approach is it's like, you know what, let's prune all the edges and just be like, what what is let's make it context specific. And again, that allows it to be really small. Now we also have our third major product is a full speech to text engine, which that is a larger, it definitely is a, a larger problem and a, and a larger solution. But it's still it's still highly efficient and still highly still very small, still very power efficient because I don't know. My boss is a genius. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you approach some of the concerns that people have with the other with the big giant tech companies mm-hmm. who are doing language recognition and speech software right now, kind of like the privacy and concerns, because we all know that our Alexas mm-hmm. are listening all the time. Our phones are listening mm-hmm. for us all the time. How do you approach that kind of thing? As a developer, as a <laughs> like... Well, as as a company that's making mm-hmm. this kind of software, but saying, let's not put it all in the cloud for data mining purposes. Right. Well, so... We approach it carefully because we know it's it's very important to people. But the main thing is to make sure audio stays on device. And that was our big sort of goal is like, we just want to, that's the main thing that needs to change because like, we've all heard the stories of like Alexa sending like a weird, like 
a snippet of conversation to your mom or something like <laughs> it just it it does some weird stuff and it is it is always listening and it is it is wake word gated a lot of these things don't open up until they're they're asked asked to but wake word engines aren't perfect and when you when it false detects it opens the gate and then anything it hears from then on is it, it will fire up to the servers and it will try to understand what it's trying to say and we just thought okay well that's that's not that big a deal if it's on device <laughs> if it's like sheltered because then at very least we can say your data your data is not leaving your device so we can say with certainty that we're not it's we're, we're not collecting it we're not indexing it so I, I think it gives people the true the privacy concerns that people are having these days with speech recognition are very much alleviated once they hear oh my audio is like never going to leave the device like mm -hmm. it's never going to record my conversations really paranoid people will think like oh so that fbi won't be able to tap into my device and just stream my audio and listen to me <laughs> so that's i think that's just kind of our goalpost with all this and that's the way we try and communicate it to people is just like Privacy and security are like definitely a value proposition <laughs> with our stuff. In addition to just the the performance and the the efficiency. So I have one question to to sort of take a step back for a minute. A lot of the tech, like storing audio on device and wake words and such, makes me think: mm -hmm. is is your tech primarily focused on native mobile apps at the moment? And do you have like do you work with the web at all, or or what does that story look like? Yeah, well, so we kind of took a page out of uh, a few kind of inspirational companies like Auth0 and a bunch of other companies that did some really smart dev-focused development. And basically what they did is we're just going to be available everywhere. And that means that you take your core tech and you write it in like C, C99 even to keep it like so supported, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then you just cover it with whatever SDK wrapper you want. So right now we are supported on a bunch of embedded platforms, all desktop platforms, almost all major web frameworks. So it can run on, on device, on browser. In addition to mobile, what else do we have? We have Go, we just did a Go SDK. I mean, yeah, we're just, we're just saying like, we're available everywhere. Don't, don't worry about it. Unless you're like somebody who's like, can I get you for Haskell? or like something weird. And then it's like, uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I imagine there are, there has to be some bits that are specific to platforms. Like I, I, I think the one that caught like the, the wake words, for example, right. Yeah. Like that's what, is that leveraging a specific like iOS or Android API? Like, cause I, no. I, I didn't even know like third-party apps could even honestly do that. Nope. It's a, like it, it's a wake word engine that the core is is in C and we just pass it audio and it tells us when it hears a wake word. So okay. there's like, the only thing that's platform specific is audio really. It's like the an often pain point when I do a new SDK is figuring out how to get audio on every platform that the framework runs on. Because like codecs and such or? Yeah, and just like, how does the platform do it? Because some... Uh, some some platforms, like actually mobile platforms are pretty good. You've always got like a media recorder or a, something that's just like, hey, I do audio. 
But then when you get to like cross-platform like desktop support, it's like kind of a, <laughs> can be kind of a mess because there's no, nobody really has cross-platform desktop audio that that works. Half the time it's like, I fire it up and it's just like giving me like crazy garbage back. <laughs> <laughs> so from the React perspective, so mm -hmm. do we have React native bindings and React web bindings, both? Yes, both, oh, awesome. both are supported. Yeah, Can so I did the React that? native and my uh, my colleague, uh, David Bartle, did the React. Yeah, so, sorry, did you say, what, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Can you walk us through that then? What oh, does that yeah. look like? Is it, a, is it a hook? How do I integrate this into my React app? Yeah, so uh, again, we're like super focused on dev experience. So the SDK is a NPM, it's delivered through NPM. It's uh, just literally npm install at pico voice and then whatever product you're looking for and then what you get is basically something that we have a, a javascript or a typescript interface that you can just call up you create your instance of uh, your speech recognition engine your speech to intent engine whatever you're looking for and then we do we offer kind of we always offered like two levels of api so one is basically, hey, you know what? Don't worry about audio. We got you. <laughs> like, <laughs> we will do cross platform audio for you because the average developer will just want, hey, I just want it to do voice recognition. So I just want yeah. to press um, start exactly. and then stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's exactly. literally the high level API. Start, stop. Low level API is just like, hey, you know what? You've probably got your own audio. Maybe you've got a very complex audio pipeline. So we're not going to mess with that. Just give us frames of audio whenever they come to, whenever you're ready to hand them off to the speech recognition engine. And that will literally just take like raw audio frames and then give you results from those. So cool. we just and then you get like a callback or something when there's certain words or that when you get that wake word and then you get a phrase, you get some callback saying, oh, this is what was said. That kind of that's, thing. That's right. So yeah, and with Porcupine, you'll just get like, Hey, I heard it because <laughs> there's not really much to say other than I heard the wake word. And then, yeah, with speech to intent, you basically get like a map, like a dictionary containing intents and values, like what size, large, what what drink, coffee, that kind of thing. Very cool. Yeah. Is there a is there an API key then? That I how do you how do you pay the pay for this, or is it a pay for <laughs> thing? Very good question. So we basically currently the the model is you we have something called the pico voice console where you go and you actually you can create your speech to intent model like design your intent or you can make a custom wake word and then basically once you do once you have those that's what you actually put on device now in terms of like payment the actual model is per Per platform, per model, basically, because you're basically buying them outright. You're you're buying them like, I just want this wake word forever, um, right. or or I want this this uh, speech to intent context forever. So, sure. so the model then becomes the key. That's right. So it's basically like it's lit literally like a file that you'll integrate into your project, and then because because it has to be offline for 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 this to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. Exactly. So, because API key, that's like a very 
that's the very current way of doing things is like, well, we've got a call somewhere, right? <laughs> and we're, we're definitely toying with the idea of moving forward, maybe calling just to say, hi, I'm a device. I just want to register myself. And then maybe we can offer a cheaper uh, alternative for people who just want, hey, you know what? I have like 50 devices and for my like hobby project and I don't, I don't need this enterprise level support. We'd like to offer something for them. So we're, we're definitely working on ways to allow, to change the model to, to welcome them in. We don't want to, we want to make sure hobbyists can like really get at this stuff. But we always offer like time limited models, trials and stuff like that for people to experiment. I was just going to say, how does a hobbyist get into it? But it sounds yes. like you got it covered. <laughs> so, so <laughs> they, they, they can basically, yeah, they, they can basically use the trials to make use of it. And the, the models will just be time limited. They can refresh them every month if they want. So they're basically not useful for like commercial distribution, which is, I mean, that's the whole, obviously, the, the whole model is we want to support hobbyists. We want to get them to commercial level, but we need to make sure once they're at commercial level, then they're putting that model into possibly millions of devices. And that's when we need to change our model. Yeah. So that was That's actually a good segue. I was curious, how do you train your model or define your model if you're not necessarily using information that's being fed into a cloud or some kind of an open learning process? Hmm. Well, it's basically trained offline. And okay. anything more would be proprietary <laughs> trade secret. Sure. But it's it's all it's all trained offline and it uses, yeah, just some some modern machine learning techniques to basically point it in the right direction. <laughs> so yeah, we we don't we don't do anything, we don't do any collection on like users' data in order to improve it. That's like something yeah. we said, no, that doesn't that doesn't work with the whole philosophy. <laughs> 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 so it, there's, we stayed away from that. Are you training with multiple languages? So if you spoke French or if you spoke Chinese or something else, it could use it could recognize those. Right. So that that's a good question. We actually do have we support four languages right now. We support English, German, Spanish, French. So and then we're we have a few on the horizon. Language expansion is kind of slow because we kind of need to do a lot of upfront work to move into a new language. So we're, we're, we're plotting along, but yeah, we, we can actually like, there's even situations where you could, we were playing around with a demo where you could say hello in a, whatever language and it would actually, it would actually point the, point the engine to a speech to intent engine in that language. So like, I think our web demo right now on the, the Pika voice website, you can say, you can say hello, and then it will basically change the whole thing over to English, and then you can start issuing commands in English. I think it's that it's that sort of thing that like I could I could see at like airports or like anywhere where there's lots of international flow. You want something that can just like context switch, basically. Yeah, being able to switch on the fly, I can see that being a, a really huge advantage, especially like you say, if you're visiting another country and mm -hmm. trying to find something or even in a just a multilingual household, that could be yeah. super helpful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely looking to expand our language roster. Just a ton of work. <laughs> <laughs>
I have some I have some questions about just voice recognition in general. Mm-hmm. And I think my the first time to mind is what are the, in your opinion, some of the best use cases for implementing this? Like if if I'm a developer listening to this podcast right now, I maintain an app, like what are some things in the app that you think could really benefit from voice recognition, speaker recognition, mm. uh, sort of regardless of how you choose to implement it? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I've seen, I personally, just as a user, seen so many instances of voice recognition being absolutely shoehorned into <laughs> apps yeah. just because it's cool. <laughs> and that's that's definitely like it is cool and i'm glad people are using it but i think i think a lot of use cases now especially on mobile are all about hands free so driving applications running we like kitchen you know like if you're if you have like a recipe book yeah. open and you want to control it while you're kneading dough <laughs> you don't want to get your tablet covered in flour there's hands-free is is a big one. Also, more and more it's coming up like accessibility is really important. And there are a lot of people that interact with devices only through voice because they they it's much harder to do it another way. And we we would love to be able to like have like every app has like an accessibility setting that it's like you can just do this whole app through voice. It's those sorts of things that are most appealing for me. I think the 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 sort of showy like hey you can say play this song that's cool but like <laughs> yeah no I, that actually just brought to mind a couple of things like i have a recipe app that i use on my ipad like docked up and you have to swipe to do the next one and i always use like my knuckles to do it or something <laughs> exactly. like that right yeah. <laughs> i, I yeah, think I apple even makes a commercial about this <laughs> right, well. right, right. It's such a pain <laughs> yeah and if you could just say next page like <laughs> that would be handy so no i'm wondering too yeah I'm wondering too, like your like your perspective on is the state of like just how good voice recognition is improving? Because I, I think the other thing is I think most of us have some bit of a love-hate relationship with these yeah. tech, right? I think it's it's basically a meme where you just get yes. frustrated yelling at at your thing. So I'm I'm just curious your perspective. This is a very random question, but mm. it's like is it getting better? Are like people that work with you seeing like success with these? Um, where do you, where do you see this going? Yeah, I think that's like definitely because <laughs> I I've had those thoughts too. I'm like, how like because we're like ninety percent there, but that that like ten percent is like is like a real yeah. It's <laughs> that's where all the frustration comes from because it's like oh you know it mixed up yeah it mixed up this one keyword in the sentence I what? was looking for and it's now it looks silly. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. 
And honestly, it, it would have implications on whether I'd want to use a tech like this in my app, right. because if I was like, there's some like slam dunk use cases where certainly I need voice. But yeah, if I'm building recipe app and I'm yeah. on the fence about like, this is on my roadmap, like I don't want to put in a feature, like if it's going to be- benefit me, great. But if I'm users are just going to get frustrated and yelling at their iPads because of this thing I put in, right? Like then that's totally. actually counterproductive for me. Totally. So yeah, I mean, we're definitely improving our stuff. Everybody is improving, but it it seems like it's like that last mile is just like, it's a slog. (laughs) So that the bar is being raised year after year. It's just a lot less noticeable uh, than it used to be. But also I think the way we approach these problems helps because again, we're like not trying to understand the whole language. So that that's also means less error because if you, if you only have previous page and next page as like intense on your app it's pretty like it's going to be pretty rare that it's going to false alarm with something that's like completely random well it's actually impossible if those are the only two things it's either going to do next or brief so purpose built is definitely a way around that and and i think i think i think it's just people having used these like speech to text engines that understand the whole language and trying to like cram it into a device and then like parse the results and like okay it contains page and next so maybe it's doing it right that that whole that whole model of thinking was flawed from the beginning so i think i think just our approach is actually going to like be more welcoming for developers yeah because i have to imagine like some of the harder things are like your proper nouns or just like random words like that there's just like sort of an infinite uh, and yeah and and English is particularly bad. You, when you work on speech recognition, you really understand how bad English is. It is like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it doesn't sound like it's spelled. It, it like the words are all just all from all over the place. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I'd, I'd rather really build one in, in Japanese. <laughs> that, that language makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, actually, more more on that point. So, I I really like your your answer of if you're if you have a smaller subset of what you're looking for, it just makes the problem a lot easier. Yeah. So, if I'm looking for a word that's like something very specific, like something that wouldn't be in the English language per se, like some special like noun or command that's particular to my app, do I then have to like train? Like, how exactly do I train something to look for that? that like proper noun do i have to like go in somewhere and just like say it a bunch with a bunch of different people if it's something like made up or specific how would how would that work no again again we are like absolutely dev obsessed so you type it in and we'll figure it out and we'll uh i believe the console has something where it'll show you the pronunciation it ex- it's thinking okay it is it is difficult some words require a custom service if it's like something that's just completely that we that we can't even guess how it's pronounced <laughs> sometimes it needs a little a little human assisted nudge in the right direction but in general we can handle proper nouns but it is definitely it, it's definitely a challenging problem because especially like i mean you think of like tech companies in the last 10 years all their names it's like they just emit like every vowel 
Yes. And it's like, exactly. yeah, I was just going to say exactly like startup <laughs> company names are always yeah. gonna be a, a sure challenge. It's like, is it a drug name or yeah. is it a startup name? I'm not sure. Right. One of those two. And it's like Fliva. And it's like, what? It's like, I, I, <laughs> your doctor is FLVW. It's like, what? Um, <laughs> Do not take Flyva if you are. <laughs> it sounds like, like honestly, you might be better off spelling or, or putting into like the machine learning model what it sounds like versus how it's actually spelled, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. essentially the model is just trying to figure out the the like pattern of noises yep. to to look for more than anything. Yeah, exactly. And that's like something uh, I feel like we're moving towards is like more work, more, more focusing on sounds than words, because the fact is, is spoken language is it like, or sorry, written language is just like a guess at how spoken language is actually used. So spoken language is the truth. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> what we say. That's what the way we communicate ideas. And then we translate them into like words. And it just so happens English has an awful translation. But that's like, we're trying to say sounds are more important. Like, yeah. So one thing that I was curious about, and this is kind of not directly related to Pico voice in particular, but Mm -hmm. how do you handle like the real time audio that your, Mm -hmm. that your devices are inputting? Because I'm, I'm sure when you've got a large cloud backing service, it's not mm-hmm. as much of an issue because you can offload some of that. But how how do you handle it when you've got people's mobile devices that are the main drivers and the source? Yeah, so that that's definitely a challenge, and it's different for every every platform, every framework. But essentially, it just comes down to taking in you just try and get access to the the raw audio stream, and then we just split it up into frames and this is very common in real-time voice processing to do frame-based processing so basically we just grab a bunch of audio samples and we put it into the engine the engine comes back with a value and then that's all the engine knows is how to do frames there's a lot more complex versions of this i worked in a company several years ago called malaspina labs there was a, another startup here in vancouver and we would do all sorts of uh, what's called windowing, where you like combine frames so that there's sort of a overlap and also look back, look ahead, where you're trying to like, okay, let's keep the last two seconds of audio in my memory so I can try to try and understand what's being said. I can understand the context. Mm-hmm. There's lots of lots of pretty complex things you can do, but real-time audio is all about like, you got to get it done in, I think, 33 milliseconds. Like whatever you do with one frame of audio has to return in 33 milliseconds. If it doesn't, you start building up lag and mm-hmm. everything explodes. <laughs> so it's very like it's very important when you're doing this sort of stuff, like optimization and f- focus on like efficiency, because mm-hmm. you really can't. If you start building up frames, you start building up latency and lag. And then people start going, oh, this thing's not working. And then all of a sudden it comes back two seconds later with some weird stuff because it was actually <laughs> listening to something that was said before you started speaking. That's it's a mess. So yeah. yeah, I think I think it's just like you have to have a real mind for efficiency. And that's actually one of the reasons we write everything, our engines in native code in, in C because C is lightning fast. 
because it's not it's not dealing with any any OS stuff. There's no application layer. It's literally here's memory, here's where to move it, <laughs> here's how to use it. Done. <laughs> and that's like that's kind of as that that gives us a lot of control over how much memory we use, how we use it, and how fast things move along. Well, so along that line, when it comes yeah. to web, how is that actually working? So I get my my npm module. I've got yeah. my model that I built on the console. Mm-hmm. Is there like a WASM component, a WebAssembly component here that is yeah, being used right. on a client? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So we've actually we actually ported. I think last year we made everything WASM for web. So we have now. I'm I'm not the web guy, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to take a guess at how this <laughs> how this works. But it's basically it's basically centered around WASM. And we have uh, another NPM module called Web Voice Processor that basically is a real-time audio recorder for your browser. So it will handle getting audio from your browser. And I think it uses the web, whatever, the, the web audio. Web API. audio, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it uses that. It it does all the conversion and, and formatting. And then basically we'll feed it into these workers to get get responses from the engine. But yeah, we actually went uh, WebAssembly pretty early on when doing the web stuff because it just seemed like it was like the the future. <laughs> it's like right. Well, otherwise, you're gonna have to have, actually have your the thing that runs your model in yeah. JavaScript or TypeScript, or whatever. Exactly, but, and, I mean, that, that and you're not, not gonna, gonna get work. your 33 milliseconds out of that. <laughs> no, probably I'd love not. To see. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You're a JavaScript genius. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, it really depends on on the device at that point. Where Was, you know, where Wasm is going to be a lot more kind of essentially to the extent that it can be closer to the bare metal, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it's trying to it's trying to get as close to the bare metal as possible without breaking the the framework. So yeah, Wasm is pretty amazing. I gotta say, like, and it, it, it's allowed us to make something that can be basically used all across the web framework. So it just not react. It's like Angular and Vue and all that stuff. Node, like anything that's like got like a layer above it that uses browser technology is like, yeah, go, go wasm. <laughs> <laughs> so have you created any cool little demo projects or have you seen anybody making really cool implementations with this? Yeah. So, I mean, like, We've seen lots of fun stuff. I know myself, I created VR. So we also have a Unity SDK. Cool. Um, so I decided to, as one of my, we like to do, one of the things we like to do every once in a while is create like a demo with our stuff because it puts us in the user's seat and it allows us to use our SDKs as users and be like, <laughs> find the frustrations. Yeah. Uh, but then and but then it allows us to create something that whole oh, people can use and share and stuff. So we, I created a, a hands-free video player for VR. So it was basically something, it was like like you're sitting in a theater with the screen just kind of floating there in 3D space. And you could basically control the video with like play, stop, seek forward 30 seconds, go to the halfway point, like all this, all the sort of general stuff you'd want hands-free because everyone knows VR controllers are still work in progress and and they've gotten really good lately but point and clicking in vr is just like awful so (laughs) so that was kind of a a way around that we also saw there was a video that was going around that was actually somebody who created a voice activated wheelchair with our technology 
Mm-hmm. So it was, it was something where they actually put it in the in the electronics of this wheelchair, and they could actually the because the person couldn't use their hands, so they actually started to to say where they wanted to go, and yeah. and it showed the, the the video had them like driving around and controlling this wheelchair. It was it was like pretty amazing. You have some ability to recognize an individual's voice built in because like the just thinking because mm. the wheelchair example, I'd be concerned that somebody <laughs> somebody would randomly say like in another conversation, right? And then somebody's wheelchair just starts going. Take up, takes off. Drive off yeah. cliff? Is that what you <laughs> no. said? Uh, no. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I have to imagine there's some ability yes. to do that or at least that implementation did. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, right now our products are very much just like we understand the voice. We don't care. Yeah, whose it is. There are some upcoming products that we're looking forward to releasing that are going to address stuff like that, more like general. Because like we we're ha- we we kind of have like the three levels of voice recognition done. We've got the like wake word, speech to intent, speech to text. That's like covers pretty much all the like word recognition. But then there's like the more general stuff, like speaker ID. What's another one? Like uh, just voice activity, like. Can I know when there's voice in the room when somebody's speaking? Because it's a lot of a lot of smaller devices or like stuff that just wants to know when to be when to wake up and be smart. <laughs> it's like useful to just like, can I hear voice around me? <laughs> yeah. Should I should I start thinking? And <laughs> and that's and that's a very good like thing to have because then it's just like it's not listening for a wake word or anything. It's just like more context aware. Like, oh, are people in the room talking? Should I try and should I turn on my wake word engine even and like start listening? So there's uh, general products uh, are are coming up and we're, yeah, we're excited to to have those because we we're kind of looking forward to like trying to be like a a build your own speech solution. Like we give you the blocks, go for it. Because Mm -hmm. like everybody has a different use case. It's not always just like wake word command. That's like the traditional, but like, there's so many things like I know we we had a client who was like trying to have something where they just always they're like working in warehouses and they're always trying to talk to their all of them had these like tablet devices that kind of ran their work and their hands are always busy. So they they wanted to like continually be able to to talk to this thing. And so it was kind of kind of a, an interesting thing because it just needed to know when it didn't need to be woken up or anything. It was just like I always want to be listening and like processing these these orders. So. And they, and we had to do some custom work for them, but like, uh, yeah, we just we just want people to be able to build their own because we just want to empower people to like build what works for them. That is awesome. That's very very cool. So, Ian, is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that you think is worth talking about in regards to Pico Voice or any of this kind of voice recognition? <laughs> no, I think we covered a lot of good ground here. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say so. Do you guys have anything, any additional questions that you've that have come up? Yeah, actually, can I throw in an IoT question just totally out of, the, out of the park? Cool. All right. So Ian, so every Christmas I get up holiday lights and I do it all with Arduino and IoT stuff. Is that oh, an nice. option here? Can I can I make my Christmas lights voice activated and and give them voice patterns? Definitely. Yeah, we just oh, released, we just released a support for Arduino Nano, actually. Nano oh, 3. Fantastic. So, 
<laughs> you started that sentence. I thought Rip you were up. just about to say, like, we just released a service for Christmas lights or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a value. Yeah, speech recognition well. Santa. Yeah. Santa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, yeah, we got you. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I could, this I could this is going to happen automation. this year. Awesome. <laughs> Looking forward to the videos. <laughs> yes. Well, cool. So before we move into picks, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more, talk to you about this, uh, how can they find you? How can they reach you? So I'd say just check out Pico Voice, AI, uh, at AI Pico Voice on Twitter. We also have our website, picovoice.ai. I'm on, I'm on Medium. I write lots of articles on Medium. At, uh, what is my username on Medium? Oh, my name's Ian Lavery. Just search for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- those are those are where we can uh, we can have a chat about speech recognition. Cool. We will link to all of those in the show notes in case anybody does want to start up a conversation. Hey, folks! If you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. But I think it's time to move into picks. So, Jack, would you like to start us off this week? Sure, I'd love to. So my pick for this week is Mythic Quest on Apple TV. It's uh, got two seasons out, and it's about a game company and game development. And it's hilarious, but also kind of deeply insightful at times into development and all the kind of vagaries around that. So just a great, fun watch. My wife and I binged it and really, really enjoyed it. So if you got Apple TV, definitely worth checking out. That is a great one. I've watched that and have very much enjoyed it. And I think that Ubisoft is one of the co-creators of the show, or if, if yeah, they they're are. not a creator, they they have some some stake in it. And it's really great when they'll do these animations for it because they're so well done. And I, I wonder, like, who is it within the company that gets to work on these? Because they must be just a blast to do. Yeah, they even had some Diablo in there, which is a, <laughs> cuts really deep for my wife and I. We're... <laughs> Spent way too much time on Diablo, so it's kind of fun to see that called out every once in a while. Nice. My, my only problem with shows like that, just I remember watching Silicon Valley back in the day. Sometimes it like hit a little too close to home. <laughs> like I, I don't know if yeah. you know how to explain it, but like sometimes it was just like I don't know. Like it felt a little bit too much like reality. That like I, I don't know. <laughs> they had an episode that that focused on the gender disparity in engineering, and it was it was a tough watch because mm-hmm. it was it was comedy yeah. but it also cut really close to home and addressed a, re- a really fundamental issue in our our space i mean my daughter's in cs class now and she's one of seven women out of 90 students and that's just that's not a great ratio for us going forward no no it's not it's not but kudos to her for for being in there <laughs> yeah and kudos to the show for tackling it because it's better to address it yeah. than to just let it let it slide under the radar so yeah absolutely absolutely cool tj what do you have for us today i'm gonna pick a service called hoopla h-o-o-p-l-a it's a service that essentially partners with local libraries i I think it's u.s only i'm not sure if it extends internationally at all but essentially you sign in with your local library so it'll ask you for which library you're a member of it'll ask you for your card number and such 
But then it just gives you access to essentially borrow things digitally. So you can get digital books. Uh, I've been using it for audiobooks. And it's through your library. It's through library partnerships. So it's completely free. So I've been listening to the, I've been rereading the Harry Potter books and I'm getting into the, the later, longer books. And so I picked up the audio books so that I'm listening to it in the car and such. And it's kind of nice because it's just a, I've been using the app on my phone. Once I'm signing with my library, you get like so many titles that you can do per month completely for free. So it is, it is interesting. So if you're in the US, if you have a, local library. And if not, maybe check out your local library. That could be a pick as well. Um, it's a fun service for that. Very nice. Very cool. Ian, do you have something you'd like to recommend? Sure. So just this last weekend, I saw probably the craziest movie that I've ever seen. A movie called Mandy. I, I'm speechless with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is pure insanity. But it is, it is a must watch for any horror fan and any just insane... Like, I mean, I, yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage's most recent work has been just absolutely bonkers. They're, they're, yeah, he, wow, his, his, he just really goes all out in this one. That's all I can say. He is, he is a pure madman. They just let him loose. They put the tiger shirt on him and just let him, <laughs> let him <laughs> make his own axe and go get, get revenge. So I, I just think it's like, it was, it was, it was also like breathtaking visually. Like it was one of the, it looked like every frame of it was like hand painted to look like a horror comic book or something. And the the music in it too, uh, Johan Johansson, unfortunately passed away, I think before the movie was released. He did it all with like analog synthesizers and stuff. So it's very just like dark, grimy synthesizers and stuff. Amazing soundtrack. So yeah, go check out Mandy, but be prepared <laughs> for... <laughs> A ride. <laughs> I don't think anybody anybody's prepared for Nick Cage lately. No. <laughs> Fair warning, though. <laughs> so my pick for this week is completely different from everybody else's. Lately, and this is partially for my new job, which is working with an IoT company, and then partially because I just I want to get into it and understand more of what the IoT engineers are doing. Is starting to build little IoT projects with raspberry pis and sensors and python and things like that so a really cool company that i've come across that is making a lot of the sensors that connect well and require less soldering less breadboards less things that are very very foreign to me as a newbie is a company called digikey and if you've not heard of them before they are just a a electronic component company. And it seems like they have a million and one sensors of all different kinds and makes and models and things that they do. But they're pretty inexpensive, I think, for the most part until you get into like the the more complicated ones. But they just have everything under the sun that you might want to take in. Like the one that I got most recently was a temperature sensor that does humidity and temperature and pressure and, you know, all these different things. And it's it's very cool. So if you're you know starting to get into the little bit of the hardware and taking in environmental things and then wanting to put them online, which is kind of what we're doing, it's a good place to check out because I bet you that they will have whatever it is that you need if you if you do a little bit of digging. So DigiKey Electronics is the name of the company, and I would definitely recommend you check them out if you're 
getting into the hardware side of things at all. That's going to be my pick for this week. Awesome. Well, Ian, thank you again for coming on. It's been really fun to talk to you and hear about how you're moving the world forward in terms of everything language related, which is going to be, I think, a benefit for everyone involved. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we will Glad see everybody on the next episode of React Roundup. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.